Hello and welcome to Let's Ponder on Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Today, we are not going to have an actual ponder episode, but instead, this is a special moment for everybody as I am going to share a full uh, Patreon episode. So this is from the men's perspective of what they went through when they found out their wife or girlfriend or partner was cheating on them. So I had to sit back and decide which episode I wanted to share. And last year, or maybe it was earlier this year, I shared one episode about Steve and Karen. And that one has been widely commented on. Um, A lot of people could relate to the story either way, um, whether it was from the husband who had submitted the story or the wife who went through what she went through, her decisions, her choices, and those consequences. Um, But I decided to stream Joe. Now this is a two part. So today I'm only going to be able to share part one with you and the rest of it, you know, it is going to be on Patreon. If you would like to subscribe, Um, you can catch the end of his story. But just like all the stories, whether they're for raw truth, uh, the female ones, or if they're on Patreon, they're all heartbreaking. Um, They're hard, they're honest, we aren't judging them, but it gives the people the ability to be able to write out their story, get it out, and it's very helpful to them. And this gentleman, Joe, had become a a great friend via email. Um, Never met him, of course, but he's just been there. He, his story was getting recorded and then streaming right about the time my husband died. And so, um, even though his story has nothing to do with what happened with me personally, it was just at a very fragile time in my life. And he even reached out, he prayed for me, he just was a big support. And so this story, you know, heartbreaking, he seems like he is a really good person. And uh, I wanted to, you know, share his story so that other people can hear and perhaps understand they're, they're not alone. None of us are alone in this world when it comes to infidelity. It is collateral damage all the way around us. So anyway, so just relax and enjoy um, this bonus episode about Joe. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity on Patreon. This is Rebecca. Hope everybody is doing good. I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving yesterday. I know that this year is kind of a struggle. 
As everything has been kind of a struggle this year, yeah. But um, I know in our state that they aren't allowing people to really be in families or other people's homes that you don't already live with for Thanksgiving. Um, Our governor is asking us to really consider that. And then um, the Oregon governor basically threatened everybody with being arrested if they did. So let's just say up here, it's been kind of a crazy shit show with that. And I know it's just to protect everybody, but this is just getting kind of nuts. <laughs> um, but you're listening this today on Black Friday, which who knows? I mean, at least in our part of the world, everything got shut down. Um, our stores were downgraded to 25% occupancy. Um, and all restaurants and bars were closed unless they do, they can do takeout. And I think outdoor seating is going to be allowed, I think, but it's pouring down rain. So good luck with that one. Um, and then all our gyms and everything were closed. So yeah, I'm thinking that online is going to be the way to go for a lot of people, unless they want to stand in line. <laughs> it's just been crazy. But I hope whatever you're doing today, you um, are taking it easy, enjoying an extra day off of work if you have today off, and just um, enjoyed what time you had with family and, and all of that for Thanksgiving. Anyway, enough about all that. Let's get started with today's story. This is about Joe and his wife, Laura. And Joe subscribed on Patreon, man, quite a few months ago, like like pretty close to shortly after I had, um, you know, opened up for subscribers to Patreon. And um, he would send me just kind of little feedback emails here and there about some of the episodes. Um, and I was always kind of on him to say, Hey, why don't you send me your story? And he kind of would fill me in here and there. He finally felt comfortable enough to go ahead and submit his story. So I'm excited to get to that today. But over the last couple of months, Joe and I have been able to correspond quite a bit. And I've learned a lot about him and his wife and his kids. And, um, it's been a great, real great person. And even though it's been, a couple of years, he still struggles. Um, And from time to time, something might happen or come up or something that might trigger a memory. And he really, um, you know, verbalizes his frustration. And then he'll talk himself back down. Um, But, you know, I commend him for hanging in there. I know it hasn't been easy. And uh, so let's learn a little bit more about Joe and then We will talk about it a little more afterwards. I am an army brat, meaning I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I can't really say that I had roots, and every time I started to make friends, we would up and move or they would move. This happened until my father retired and we moved to Florida in the middle of eighth grade. This is my first time living among people that didn't move all the time and they all had friendships for years. It took me a while to blend in with them, especially because I was always in trouble due to having undiagnosed ADHD and school was boring, to be honest. I never really applied myself, but I aced every test. Still, I was the class clown and soon labeled a loser due to my grades. 
Abuse was prominent in my house, in the form of physical and emotional abuse. Because of my grades in school, my parents called me a loser and that I would amount to nothing. To this day, I use that as motivation to excel in damn near anything and everything I do. By high school, I discovered surfing. Being so close to the ocean didn't help my grades, as the waves always seemed better on weekdays. Still, I did fairly well in the dating scene, because I had a job and a car, although it was a piece of shit on wheels, and I could make anyone laugh. Me and my best friend would go on double dates all the time, and looking back, I think his girlfriends just liked being around me because I was silly and carefree. I don't remember many of his girlfriends, to be honest, but I did remember one. Her name was Laura. She recently moved from the Boston area and was such a goody two-shoes, but we really clicked. She was everything that I didn't date. Blue eyes and blonde, where I preferred dark hair. Innocent, where I preferred someone that I could score with, yet she was so much fun to be around. How could I be drawn to her? The attraction was mutual, and we all hung out a lot over the summer. She had a huge pool because her parents had money, versus mine, who never owned a new car. Still, she was my best friend's girlfriend, so no way. Eventually, they broke up. I still talked to her and hung out as friends. Her parents liked me a lot, but they were wary of my humble roots and my bad boy reputation. I guess it was good because I was not dating their daughter. She eventually built up the courage to ask me out. My best friend agreed knowing that it wouldn't last because she didn't put out, as he so eloquently put it. So that more or less started our relationship. At this time, her parents were very concerned. How could their amazing daughter want to date a loser like me? She was a year behind me in school. At least, that's until I couldn't graduate, and I had to spend another year in high school because I missed too much time due to my mother's hospitalization and health scares, and also the beach. We wound up graduating together. She graduated at the top of the class, and I was about 580th out of the 620 people. As soon as we graduated, we were concerned because she was going into college, and that wasn't in the cards for me. I wound up joining the Army. We decided to make a go for a long-distance relationship. I still came home to see her whenever I could, and she even came out to see me a few times. I knew that I had found the one I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. I had to face her father, who was the biggest challenge in our relationship to ask if I could marry his daughter. That was not an easy conversation for me to have, especially since I knew how he felt about me. Oh, what he wanted for his daughter was for her to be happy, to finish college, and to be taken care of. I promised him that I would always take care of her, that I would ensure that she finished college, and although I couldn't promise to make her happy, I would do the best that I could. That was my goal, and I was going to do it. We were married in 1997, and with her degree in hand, she became an army wife. We have both grown up so much with each other because we were married so young, as I was 22 and she was 21. 
We've endured a lot while I was in the service, between moving around to various places in the country, most of which I never want to visit again, and even a year apart while I was stationed in Korea. Still, through all of this, I know it sounds cliche, but everyone admired us together. They thought we were perfectly matched and that we were the couple they all wanted to be like. Although we wanted children, I had to work on myself before I was able to do that. With all of the physical and emotional abuse in my childhood, I wanted to break that chain before I ever had children. I never wanted them to feel the doubt about themselves that I did. I also didn't want them to move around like I did, and I wanted them to have roots, which is something I was never afforded. I got out of the military in 2000 and we moved back to where we live now, which is the one place that we loved when I was in the military. I had a job lined up before I even left the military and we bought our first house that year, electing to never live in an apartment again. Our first son was born in 2005 and the next in 2007. During this time, I was working for various clandestine government agencies and the hours were long and communication was limited because I couldn't have a cell phone in the facilities I worked in. She complained a lot about feeling like a single mom and although I was raking in a lot of money and the company car, it was having a toll on our marriage and on my family. I would get home sometimes 2 a.m. in the morning and I was also on call over the weekends. This all came to a head on my oldest son's birthday. He was turning four years old and my sister called on my cell phone. He heard my cell phone and started freaking out thinking it was my job calling me away again. He was almost non-consolable. I then realized that my job that provided everything for my family wasn't providing for me, meaning I wasn't there for my family. So I quit on that Monday. It was a huge risk without having another job lined up, but it was the one thing I had to do. I gave up my security clearance and started working for a non-government company and things were improving drastically with the family. Laura gained a considerable amount of weight due to both pregnancies and was on one diet after another trying to feel better about herself. This translated into the bedroom as well, where we used to have sex two or three times a week and now turned into once or twice a month and eventually just on certain holidays. I was frustrated, but she is my wife and the mother of my children. I made a promise to her father. Not only that, I loved her. Luckily, God equipped me with two hands so I was able to take care of myself when the need arose. No pun intended. Eventually, I just stopped asking. It's really demoralizing to keep on asking and asking and being denied. I have a headache. I'm feeling fat today. I'm just not in the mood. There are only so many times you can get kicked in the ass before you stop bending over. We would go on vacations, but the kids were in the hotel room. Eventually, her parents moved up to Maryland to be closer to the grandchildren. They love me like a son now because I do more for them than their own son. I also love them back as I view them more my parents than my own. They offered to take the kids once in a while so we could go out on our date nights, even sometimes overnight. We would go to comedy clubs or just get away in another city and get a hotel room at night. At least I knew that sex had to be on the table. Eventually I started resenting even that. 
I have to spend hundreds of dollars to sleep with my wife? I had to get her drunk in order to want to have sex with me? I guess the brain is tightly woven into sexual experience because after a while, things for me just didn't happen. I wanted to, but other parts of my body were not interested. Of course, she took this to mean that she was not attractive to me anymore, which I explained was not the case. I just think after being told no for years, when the opportunity actually happens, you automatically assume that it won't. This went on for years. I'm embarrassed to say how long this went on, but I could count multiple years that we didn't even touch each other. Still, I love my wife. There's nothing I wouldn't do for her, including abstaining. Through all of this, I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on different diet plans, LASIK surgery so she wouldn't have to wear glasses, and the list goes on and on. I eventually left my last company and I was working as they were bought out and I didn't like the company that now owned us. They laid everyone off in my office. All 178 of us except for four. I was spared. I couldn't rectify that in my mind and I felt like I was working for the devil. Out of the blue, I got a call from and they offered me a job. Now I'm even more available for my family. I'm taking the kids to sports practices, karate, all the stuff that she doesn't have to. I've learned that my love language is acts of service, so that is what I consistently do. Through all of this, I noticed that she was starting to feel distant. She was also attached to her phone at all times. It's amazing how hindsight is 2020, because if someone would have told me five years ago that I would be in this situation or writing to this podcast, I would have laughed at them. I remember that one of the things I used to like to do is visiting her during her lunch break. I would text her and tell her that I was working from home and I wanted to see her for lunch. It was a real treat for her and for me. I remember when she started saying, no, it's too busy or this reason or that. I actually had a fleeting thought that she was cheating on me, but that was unrealistic. My wife wouldn't do that. Not everything that I've done for her and sacrificed or the way I treat her. Still, she seemed to be getting more distance as the weeks went by. She would nitpick anything that I did and would seem more and more aloof. And we would talk about our kids or logistical stuff, but gone were the talks about anything else. What really affected me is that in Christmas of 2016, we usually do our Christmas shopping together for the most part. She'll pick up some things, I'll pick up some things, and then we agree on the big ticket items. She really didn't do much at all. Actually, thinking back, I can't remember one single thing that she bought. It felt like Christmas is totally on me for the kids. If she's mad at me, okay, I get that but not to do anything for the kids? My heart was breaking. All of these things still haunt me to this day. We went to Hershey Park for New Year's Day and what should have been a fun day turned into crap. I wanted to take some pictures of the kids but left my cell phone in the car. When I asked to use her cell phone, she told me no, that I should just go get my own cell phone. This of course started an argument. Again, I didn't suspect her of cheating, but I did wonder what she was hiding. I didn't know what it was, but cheating did not pop into my head. I just thought she was being a bitch that day. 
Please excuse me for using that word, but it was my thought. This went on until April, with her being very cold and distant with all of us. We had our best friend from out of state coming to visit us, and we always have a good time when they're around. She seemed incredibly distracted at first, almost somber. I kept asking her what was wrong, and she just kept telling me nothing. Whatevs, I tried. When they left, things seemed to improve dramatically. She tried doing more with me and the kids, and now it felt like I was getting my partner back. It felt like we were a team again. She didn't have her phone attached to her all the time anymore, even leaving it in the living room when she went to the restroom. We were talking more, and I figured it was just a phase or a season that she was going through. During this time, my mother, who has dealt with health issues, went back into the hospital. This was nothing new, as it had been a continuous cycle for the last five years at least. This one was different, though. Her intestines burst, and she was septic. We didn't know if she would survive. I called her at work to tell her about the situation from the hospital, and she asked me if I wanted her to come be with me. Even though she was so cold, I was still scared, and I agreed. She's with me when I'm at the hospital and through the recovery. Maybe it was something awful that needed to happen to bring us together. My mother's prognosis was getting better and better. She was transferred to a rehabilitation center after a week of being in the hospital. My wife and I faced another storm and came out of it just fine. On one sunny morning in May, shortly after my wife left for work, I had a phone call on my phone. It was an unlisted number, and normally I don't answer those. Do I really want to hear from a telemarketer? This was different, though. This is at 7.05 a.m. I answered, ready to start chewing out whoever was trying to part me with my money. Instead, it was a woman. She told me that she needed to talk to me, and she was in my driveway. Uh, what the fuck? My kids were still home, and I asked what it was about, and she said it was about Laura. Instantly, I was thinking the worst. Is she okay? I wasn't really dressed for company. I took a shower earlier and just threw on some shorts to wrestle the kids out of bed and get them to do their morning routine, but whatever. She's interrupting my life, not the other way around. I shouldn't have to dress up for that. I threw on a shirt and opened up the garage door. There was a lady about my age, and then she proceeded to tell me that my wife has been cheating on me. I listened, thinking this is some crazy lady that didn't like my wife and was working with her husband or something silly like that, but I listened. I asked her who she was cheating with, and she told me it was her husband. I asked her her husband's name, and I actually started laughing. Probably not what the lady was thinking would happen, but when I stopped laughing, I said, you got the wrong person. You obviously don't know my wife. I knew this person that my wife was supposedly having an affair with. I spoke with him quite a bit. I wouldn't say we were friends, but we were friendly. From what I was led to believe, his wife was a crazy, jealous type. I'm secure enough in my manhood to identify someone as attractive and although not ugly, he was not my wife's type. He was overweight, underemployed, and black. I know it's 
stereotypical and forgive me for this, but I thought that women look for financial stability in choosing a potential partner. He was not it. He doesn't make six figures. He doesn't own a house like ours or any house really. He couldn't afford her car payment or her clothes and he's going to replace me? I listened on. This woman who invaded my home with these lies started sounding more factual. Names were dropped and the timelines of circumstances started lining up. Still, couldn't happen. I asked her to call her husband. I know him. He will set this straight. She didn't want to, but I had to hear it from him. I had to. She called and I asked. He stalled. But I became more direct. Did I have to ask him face to face? Why is he invading? He finally admitted to an improper relationship that turned physical. I hung up the wife's cell phone and thanked her for telling me. Then I used my cell phone and called my wife, telling her to turn around and get home now. She asked why, and I told her to do it. Wow. So I'm going to actually end today's episode here. And because it ended up being a lot longer than I initially anticipated, I'm going to stream the second half of the episode next Friday. So you'll have to keep your eyes out for that. That would be on December the 4th. So keep an eye out for that. Um, As far as my thoughts so far on the story and having, like I had mentioned at the beginning, um, getting to know Joe and his um, personality as far as being funny and things like that. He definitely has a real sense of jokester. And, um, and I'm not sure. And from hearing it from the story and how he's done it, it might be just the way he's been able to um, overcome or deal with things that make him uncomfortable or frustrated. You know, there's a lot of people that do that, they will turn their pain into humor. And it will take the attention off of them and how they're feeling. And now they're reflecting it on other people and making them laugh, even at their own expense. Um, But with Joe, I'm, you know, he, I think just from hearing a little bit about the story here to where I've seen him now, I am sure that dealing with this infidelity thing probably made it even worse for him if he was already struggling with um, questioning his ability from his parents, you know, and really focusing on that. This, I would imagine, I'm not a man. Um, You know, I was unfaithful to my husband, but learning from that situation and other people that I've been working with, um, very emasculating, I think, would be what it is. And I'm certain that the men that are listening to this who have been affected by their wives, girlfriend, partners, infidelity, know what I'm talking about and can understand. Thank you for tuning into today's episode of Joe, part one. And don't forget, December 4th. Also, um, we're coming to a close here, end of the month. Um, Please, if you haven't and you like what I'm doing, if you would please go to my website, uh, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, 
and you can click on vote for your favorite podcast. Um, if you would vote for me, I'd like to be on the charts for December like I was in October and November. Um, growing on the charts instead of going down. I know that's eventual, but um, so if you haven't had the opportunity, I would really appreciate it. I think you can vote more than once because they aren't really, I don't know, it doesn't seem like they're fully tracking it. I mean, maybe they are. Um, but there's the opportunity to vote for three podcasts. And so you could vote for me. Um, you could vote for other ones you listen to um, as well. Or you can vote for me, me and me. Ha, I'm just kidding. But I would appreciate that support. So that would be great. Um, if you've been listening to these podcasts, and you have a story you'd like to submit, uh, you know, send me a message, Rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. You can go to my website. You can email me from there. You can, like I said, vote. You can order merch if you're interested in a coffee mug that says no judgment. And you can also pick up the story guides right from the website as well, which just kind of helps you form the story so that it flows well. Uh, so, yeah, Rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or the website is rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com but until next week take care enjoy Christmas shopping as now is the season to get started also consider helping those little local businesses in your area those are the ones that are really struggling the most through this COVID situation so search them out find out if they have curbside pickup websites anything like that and help them as well throughout this holiday season and uh, this terrible year of 2020 with COVID, elections, day to day that just rolls together and nothing exciting, fun happens. <laughs> All right, you guys, be kind to one another and always remember no judgment. Goodbye. I couldn't have a cell phone in the facility. I then realized that my job that provided everything for my family didn't provide me. What? That provided everything for our family didn't provide me. What? I also didn't want them to move around like I did. And I wanted to give them... Uh, I want... Dang it. There was a lot of physical and emotional... Abu- I have had to spend hundreds of dollars to sleep with my wife. I had to get her drunk in order to have... Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Damn it. <sighs> to the comedy clubs or just get away into another city and get a hotel room for the night. At least I knew we had sex to be on the table. What? We would go to comedy clubs, or we would just get away in another city and get a hotel, a hotel, god dang it. I couldn't rectify that in my mind, and I felt like I had, I couldn't rectify. It's amazing how in hindsight is 2020, how inside damn. All of these still haunt me to this day. <laughs> I can't believe I just belched. <laughs> On one sunny morning in May, shortly after my, li- my life left for work. My life, my life left. On one sunny morning in May, shortly after my wife left for work, I had a phone call on my phone. That was my ankle popping. And there it is again. Yuck. <laughs>